Today's reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And um, if you're joining us online or in person, welcome. Uh, So good to be together this morning. Um, We find ourselves in a text from 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verses 4 through 10 today. And uh, we're in the midst of this series called Renovate. We've been looking at the ways in which God is calling us to renew ourselves as a community, not only in uh, what he's doing now, but what God will be calling us to in this next season. And, and so for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about something that really is inseparable. Inseparable as our identity and our mission as a church. But because both are so important, we're going to give time um, this week to specifically just look at our identity as a church, the ways in which our identity is shaped um, into a uh, cast into our mission. Um, and so as we look at this this morning, uh, would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for this place and this opportunity to, um, to be gathered, to open your word and to be transformed by you. I pray that you would just be present in this time Lord, may we hear from you, and God, would you get the glory in this place today? In the name of Jesus, amen. So uh, by show of hands, whether you're here or online or Lauren in the Littles Lounge, who would say, I'm like a PNW native, like through and through, this is my home, like I am born and raised from this place. Okay, um, and who is like, I am not a PNW native. I uh, have lived here, but okay, uh, this is kind of my home. Who's been here like 20, 30, 40 years? You were born somewhere else, but this is now my home. Okay, kind of a, a spread of hands. So um, there's something about uh, the language that you get when you maybe move to a new place or if you're part of that place, right? So uh, Lauren and I just moved here three years ago from Southern California. And um, when we first got here, like, I had no idea what this phrase, like, east side meant, right? But now I know, like, oh, it's everything east of, like, Washington, right? Or this phrase, like, 12th man gets thrown around all the time. Like, I thought this was some, some cult, which it kind of is. But uh, now it makes a lot more sense that Seahawks fans, you guys are just, like, crazy, right? And you're proud of it. And so you kind of get this language of, uh, of, the, of the area or the language of, of a group, right? And so... Um, Lauren and I moved from Southern California, and there's this really weird thing that happens in Southern California, uh, if you've been there. So maybe if, if someone's describing how they get from their house to work, 
well, not during a pandemic, uh, they, they do this weird thing. They say, okay, well, I got on the 210, and then I took the 605 to the 405, and then I finally got on the 5 to get to work, right? Like, this extra article is thrown in there. Has anybody else, like, noticed that? Okay, so if you're from Southern California, you're like, what? It's the 5, right? Like, it's fine. But anyone else, you're like, this is weird. Like, why are you saying that? Because I, if, if I was to come up here, which... I did do this when we first moved here. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Seattle. I'm going to get on the 90 to the 5. And people are just like staring at you like you're crazy, right? And so how important is it to know the language of a context? Because without it, you kind of feel lost. But when you do know the language of a context, things become so much more clear. And so today the language that is in this passage from 1 Peter chapter 2 is language all about the temple. It's temple language. And so um, there's there's words that may, might seem a little familiar or unfamiliar like um, sacrifice and um, priestly duties that are a little foreign to us. But then there's other language like um, house and holy and priesthood and praise that is a little bit more familiar language of the temple. And so really what we're going to do just for the next several moments is, is look at two themes from this, this temple language that's in First Peter chapter 2 that gives us identity, that gives us purpose as a church now, as a collective community that is using this temple language to really shape who we are and who God has consistently called us to be as a community. And so um, as a youth pastor, there's... There's like two questions that honestly, like, I hope students, I hope you get sick of me saying these things and sick of hearing them because I think the two most important things that you'll ever um, ask, whether you're a sixth grader at Beaver Lake Middle School or uh, a senior like Greg Boffman about to graduate from East Lake High School, these two questions that you're always asking is, who am I and what is my purpose? And, and I think if we're honest, it doesn't matter if you are a middle school or a high school student or a college student we're all asking those same questions. Whether we're working 40 plus hours or we're a stay-at-home parent, whether we're retired, empty nesters, looking for that next thing to do, we're all asking these two questions. Who am I and what is my purpose? Some of us are really aware that we're asking those and, and others maybe in this last season, you're asking those even subconsciously and, and we don't even know it. The thing about being followers of Jesus is that those two questions are derived, the answers to those questions are derived out of community. Who the church is shapes the answers to each one of those questions for us individually. And so really that's what we're looking at this morning. Whether you're in this space or whether you're gathered online, really all that we're looking at this morning is, is this one simple truth. that The church is a renewed community in unity and love. And I would even add that the church is a continuously renewed community in unity and love. And so as Christians, who are we? What is our mission? Those are the, the questions that we're exploring these next two weeks. And, and for us, specifically as Pine Lake Covenant Church, asking that same question, who are we? I think First Peter chapter 2 is so clear and gives us this framework that, that we are 
a renewed community of unity and love. And so uh, we have these two illustrations that, that are going to help us really give uh, shape to this this morning. Um, that is temple language, okay? And so the first is um, is language about stones, okay? So there's this phrase, stones, show up all the time, um, not only in this passage, but for the temple, right? And so um, the temple was really like this central place of worship, central place in, in community. It was the site of worship. It was the dwelling place of God in and really, if you want to understand what happens throughout the Old Testament, just follow or, or trace the way that the temple interacts or the, the people of Israel interact with the temple, right? So from the very beginning in creation, the garden was this perfect place, this temple where God and humanity and, and um, animals, they were all dwelling together in unity, right? But then fall and the sin, sin comes into the world, fall happens, and slavery occurs where the Hebrew people are brought into slavery in Egypt, and then things start to change. Right? The Exodus is this magnificent story of God delivering his people out of slavery um, into this land where the temple is constructed for the very first time. Started the, the dreams or this idea started with King David and then it was ultimately fulfilled by King Solomon. Right? And so the temple was this dwelling place uh, of God, but um, it didn't stay forever. In 586 BC, the temple was destroyed for the first time. King Nebuchadnezzar comes along, ransacks um, Jerusalem, completely destroys it, the temple, and then hauls the Hebrew people off to slavery into Babylon. And the people thought that our temple is destroyed, our God has abandoned us, we are not a people anymore. But God didn't abandon his people. God didn't leave his people. He called them back to Jerusalem and called two people named Nehemiah and Ezra. Ezra was the one that built the temple back up. And then five, six hundred years later in 70 AD, the temple was yet again destroyed and still really remains in shambles today. But there's something that happens in between the first time the temple is destroyed in 586 BC and the second time the temple is destroyed in 70 AD. Something catalytic happens. This is how uh, the prophet Isaiah in First Peter says it. In, in verse 4 he says, As you come to him, the living stone, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And so this cornerstone, this foundation that the Hebrew people knew that was so pivotal to their temple, now the prophets and, and ultimately First Peter adopts the same language. And instead of it being a stone, it's a person. That this cornerstone that the builders rejected has become the foundation. So no longer was God bound to a temple. God was in the flesh. 
And so the stone, when you think of the word stone, um, what comes to mind for you? I don't know. Maybe if you're like, I love 80s rock bands, uh, that, uh, that comes to mind for you. Anybody? Okay. Or um, maybe if you're like, okay, I'm a PNW native, and I've seen all this, these um, cannabis shops pop up. Okay. Maybe that's what pops up into your mind. But if you got your mind out of the gutter, you're thinking more biblically, and stones are uh, maybe like what um, David used to slay Goliath, right? But the stone that is uh, talked about in this passage is not like this little pebble or this little rock. It's more, think of like a brick or like a building block. The stones that assembled or constructed the temple was this really powerful illustration of unity for the people of God. And so as we've kind of explored the, the, the ways in which um, the Hebrew people were in slavery and out of slavery and into exile and out of exile. They began to be spread all across the world. North Africa, East Asia, all across the Roman Empire. And yet wherever the Hebrew people were, they knew that they were together in unity because of the temple. Because of this tangible place where they could come and encounter the presence of the living God. And something really cool happens in 1 Peter. Uh, the author grabs hold of, of this imagery of building a temple. And, and he says, no longer are we building physical stones in a building where God dwells. We're building a spiritual house. Verse 4 says we're, built, we're being built into this spiritual house. This, this word is, is so important in the Greek because it, it's not alluding to a structure being built up. It's alluding to a household or a body or a collective group of people being gathered, given purpose, and given identity. Okay, so we have the stones or the building block as our, our first image. And so quickly we'll, we'll move to the priests and then we'll, we'll just discover how this these two simple yet really profound images shape who we are as a church now. And so really, all, all the, the priest language that shows up here, um, the one thing that I think is so important for us to remember um, is that you were only a priest if you had the certain lineage, right? So you were only a priest if you came from uh, the Levites, right? So if your last name is like Anderson, you like you were good, right? Or if your last name um, was Neely, like you were out, right? So it all was determined by names or specifically your lineage. The New Testament comes along, right? This, this cornerstone of Jesus Christ comes along through his life, death, and resurrection and says, no longer are you priests only if you have lineage. You are co-heirs. You are priests because you proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And so the priests came, uh, be, went from being the intercessor between the people and God to now the people of God being called priests to carry out priestly duties in every area of life. That no longer is it just one family or one name called to be the priests. It is everyone, each of us, by name are called to be priests, to be co-heirs with Christ. And so we, we come to this, this reality that these two images of a stone and of priests 
are, are really just small yet really profound examples of the, the charge that is in First Peter, that we are a community, a renewed community found in unity and love. Here are these words from First uh, Peter 2, verse 9. It says, uh, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This beautiful picture of unity. Okay, so um, Lauren and I, maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, we moved to Kalahani, and there's this little like spot in Kalahani, right by Kalahani Park, where um, the first like, I don't know, dozen times I drove by it, there were all these people like huddled around this one specific spot. I was like, what is going on there? Is there like some gold like buried in the field? Like what is up? Come to find out, um, we're playing Pokemon Go here, okay? So all these people are gathered around, different ages, like kids that like can barely walk are on their phones like playing Pokemon Go. I see like grandpas, like there's so many moms out there, like there's so many people playing Pokemon Go all together just because you're trying to like capture Charizard, right? And it's like this one thing that most of these people would never spend time together, but all of a sudden they're going to catch them all and they, uh, they're together in this with one another, right? Um, I, uh, I grew up in, um, I just kind of grew up in this sports world, and when I went to, to college at APU, um, I was for the first time on a team with people that were like from all different walks of life, right? Like I had, um, my roommate was from um, South Central Los Angeles, I had a roommate that was from Tonga, I had roommates from Northern California, from New York, right? Like people from all over the place that never would have had any reason to spend time together, but because there was a ball on a field, like you just spent time together and you became like inseparable. I, I want to propose that unity in the church hopefully is stronger than Pokemon Go and some sport, right? Like it's, it's almost laughable, but, but if we're being honest, we don't experience that unity oftentimes. We experience a lot of disconnect we experience a lot of hurt. We experience a, a lot of pain. And yet, unity is something that is like the one, one of two central foundations for who we are as Christians. I, I think if you were to, to survey um, our community, unity would probably not be uh, the first word that pops up to describe a group of Christians. And, and yet, that is central, is foundational to our identity. So how do we reclaim that? How do we reclaim that? Unity is not unanimity. 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 It's not like we're all being together the same, right? Unity is something that, that is beautiful, that God is calling us in our own different walks and gifts to be together and live in harmony. And it doesn't even mean that unity means that we, we, we have to just get along. There's a lot of conflict in my family. I don't know about yours, especially in a pandemic. There's a lot of conflict, and, and yet we're still together because of a common name. As a church, we're still together because of a common identity. And so really, unity is only so much if it's not grounded in love. Look at these words from First Peter 2, verse 10. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This, this picture that's given by, first, uh, by Peter, the author here, is, is this picture that, that God, because of his love for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, gives us that same love to not only experience deeply into our core, but gives us that love to live missionally. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk so much more about that next week um, with Pastor Sharon. But today, we're just so focused on this, this unity and this love that is foundational to who we are as Christians. I grew up in, um, in Colorado, and I uh, grew up going to this camp with, um, with my cousins, with my siblings, and we would go, and it was actually a camp that my grandpa started like a long time ago, but we would go every summer. And it was kind of one of those places where um, you like knew everything was run down, you knew everything was kind of like old and beat up, you sang the same songs for like 10 years straight, but like you didn't care because you were at camp and you didn't have to take a shower for a week, and it was just awesome, right? But we would sing this one song. And I'll never forget this one song. I'm not about to sing it. I'm just going to say these words. Uh, It's called By Our Our Love. It says, we are one in spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in spirit. We are one in the Lord. And they will know we are Christians by our love. Anybody want to sing it? And they'll know we are Christians by our love. How important is that for us to sink into our core identity. That as people of God, we are loved to our core, in our foundation. That that is the answer to these questions of who am I and what is my purpose. And, and from there, God shapes us with different skills and talents and giftedness. It's beautiful, but if we don't have that love at our core foundation, we are nothing. The very end of, of this passage um, says, but now you have received mercy. It's this echo from the story of the prodigal son coming back and being received by his father. Uh, another way to, to look at this word mercy is greeted with love. Greeted with love. For you had not been greeted with love, but now you have been greeted with love. So who is PLCC? Who is the church? Um, Are we just in this time waiting for a pastor, hoping for this pandemic to be over, just waiting for this next season? Or are we just, honestly, there's a lot of good country clubs on the plateau. Are we just another good country club on the plateau? Or are we a called people with our identity and unity and love called to be on mission together? Because that is our true core. And ultimately, I think that's what we each desire to be. And so while I wish we had all this figured out and we said, okay, now here's the five-step plan to do this, I think the the one-step plan is to say we want to be people who are committed to unity. And we want to be people who are committed to love. And things will probably get more difficult And you'll maybe feel frustrated or alone or isolated, but if we stick to those things, we'll be okay because God will continue to be at the center. And our cornerstone of Jesus Christ will never fail. 
The church, Pine Lake Covenant Church, is a continuously renewed community of unity and love. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we're grateful to be called your people. Lord, we're grateful to be in a place where even in the midst of so much uncertainty and and so much uh, vying for our time and our attention and our identity that, that God, very first, you call us yours. And so, Lord, this morning, search our hearts. May we each examine the ways in which we have run from the unity of who you've called us to be as a church or have avoided the love that that we receive first and have not given it to others, Lord. Would you search our hearts? May we be people who are founded, grounded in love and unity, all for the glory of God. God, shape us into this community, both today and going forward, in the name of Jesus. Amen.